Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Seat, grab a seat. Well, welcome. Howdy. Hey, if you have a Bible, uh, jump to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. We'll be flipping there as you're sitting. And uh, it is great to be in the cusp of another win or a win by the, by the Aggies. Uh, y'all feel good about that? Just bask in the glow, people. Bask in the glow. Uh, and so that's just the start of more wins coming. Amen? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, all right, Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 5. Um, Let me read a little bit for us, pray for us one more time, and we will jump in. Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now as soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel, until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time, which is, that's an interesting uh, moment, okay. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at uh, Gibeah Helareth, which means hill of foreskins. So there's your Hebrew lesson for this morning. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who had come out from Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Through all, though all the people who had come out had been circumcised, yet all of the people who were born on the way to the wilderness after they came out from Egypt had not been circumcised. Just to clarify. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because... They did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them in to see the land at that time. And he swore to their fathers to give us a land flowing of milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. Thank you for that history lesson, Joshua. Jump over to verse, chapter 6, verse 1, because it's, it also gets a little weird there too. Now Jericho was shut up and the outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Jump down to verse 14. And on the second day, they marched around the city once more. Verse 15, on the seventh day, they rose early and the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. And it was on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city and the walls of the Jericho came tumbling, tumbling down. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, I thank you for passages of scripture like this where you give us details, you give us information, and to be quite honest, Lord, it can become confusing. Why these are the details you most care about. Why these are the lessons we most need to learn. So Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, you would open up our hearts. Let us see with great insight why you put these words in this text and that we might be people 
that apply the truths of the scripture into our hearts and lives. And God, we can't do that. We need your spirit to do it. So Lord, we pray that your spirit come and rest on each person here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, this summer, I shared this with, um, with Bucks uh, earlier this week. So if this is a repeat for you Bucks people, sorry about that. But it's a great story, so I'm sharing it. So this summer, I took my kids to Galveston. It was our family vacation. We went to Galveston, and it was amazing. I went there with my sister, um, uh, her husband, her two kids, and then my parents. And so we're staying in this house on the beach in Galveston, and you can literally walk out to the water and walk back up to the house. The house is on stilts, little showers below. It was amazing. And so I'm there with my four kids, my amazing wife, and we're just having a good time, just like going out to the waves. I even bought like a skim board, and so like old man throwing it out there, skimming across the water. Like, like the whole thing was amazing until about day three. Day three rolls around and we go out early in the morning uh, because kids get up at the crack of dawn. And, uh, and we get out there into the water and, and we're jumping waves at this point, right? And so I'm there and I'm just going, okay, kids, you got to jump as high as you can, pull your knees up to get over that wave. And and they're like, okay, show us, Daddy. And I'm like, Daddy's going to show you, you know? And so, so I'm there, and I'm like, okay, let's go. And I go, throw my knees up, jump. I get over the wave, and I get this twinge in my back, like this deep twinge. And I'm like, oh, no, I injured myself jumping waves with the children, right? Like, like how did this happen? And, and, and like, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just walk it off. There's no walking this thing off. And I, I get over to the side uh, out of the water, and I'm like, I just can't even do this. And, and I go, hey, kids, you got to come out of the water. Daddy injured himself jumping waves. And, and I go inside, and, and I go to my wife, and I'm like, I think I really hurt myself. We load up on some Advil, uh, put some ice on it, and then my mom, <laughs> uh, this is what happens when you get older, she had already had a heating pack. Like, she just knew... A major injury was going to happen. And so she gives me the heating pack. And so I'm like, for the next day, just icing and heating, hoping that it will get better. And it doesn't. I mean, I had to drive home the next day. And I'm loading up the car and like barely getting into the car. And I'm like, this is my future. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hurt for, forever. And, and I go in, <laughs> into like a, a CVS and get um, you know, Bengay and just rub it like all over. It smells, the whole car reeks of Bengay, but I'm just like, daddy needs some relief. And, and, and I get home and, I, and I'm laying out again. I'm just like, I, it still hurts. And so finally I call up a friend of mine who was a doctor and he prescribed some muscle relaxers. And so I, I pounded those and that was interesting. Um, but I'm still not getting any relief. Like there's still pain every time I stand up, every time I move. And so I end up calling one of the table hosts. Uh, his name's Matt Martin uh, here in the room. And uh, whoop, Matt Martin. And, uh, and so I go to Matt and I'm like, I'm like Matt, um, can you do anything to save me? And I, I walk into his offices and, and I'm just limping. I'm just, I, I just, I, I, and he goes, he goes, why don't you just going to walk back and forth? I'm just like, you saw me walking, but I'll walk again, and I'm walking back and forth. He's like, how bad does it hurt, like on a scale of like one to infinity? I'm just like, more than infinity. You know, I don't know how. And he, he goes, okay, I want you to lay up on the table. And then he starts kind of maneuvering like the vertebrae on my back a little bit. And, and I didn't re- he's, a, he's a PT. I didn't realize they, they like manipulated vertebrae. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. And, and there's like little, little cracks along the way. And he goes, okay, that was like, uh, that was getting you ready. And I'm like, for What? He goes, he goes, breathe in, breathe out, which means this is going to hurt, you know. 
and he just shoves down on the center of my back and, and you just hear this ripple like, like all up my spine. I'm like, ah, that, that hurt, Matt. He does a couple of little things. He says, get up. And, and I get up and I start walking. And what I realize is that I feel so much better. There's still the residual pain, but I feel so much better. And, he, and I look at him, I go, Matt, what happened? And he goes, here's what happens. You didn't injure yourself jumping the wave. See, the, the problem is this. There were some fundamental problems with your back. What ends up happening is all of those muscles get tight and crunched, and all you did, that, that was a symptom of the larger problem. There was something wrong in you that had to be addressed, and until we addressed that deeper level problem, there was no way you were going to have comfort again. And I was like, well, thank you for hurting me to health, right? So the, and then when I think about that moment, I think about us, and I realize there are things within us that are hurting us. There are things within us that are fundamental problems, that are deep-seated issues, that are deep problems that are within every one of us, and, and we can try to coax and cover up the problems that we have, but at the end of the day, there's going to be something that sets it off. There's going to be some decision or some moment where, where life sets off the deep problems that were already deeply present within us, and we see it across our culture, where men are not, being, not behaving like men should where people are making bad decisions and you see them burn their house down and you go, what was it? Like, was it the moment? And the answer is no, it wasn't the moment. It was, it was that there were some deep problems that were left unaddressed. And when those deep problems are left unaddressed, there becomes moments of break along the way. And the truth is this, you have moments that need to be addressed within you and I have things that need to be addressed in me. Andy Stanley is a pastor at North Point Community Church. He has a wonderful statement that pierces my heart. He says this, I have, here's, here's what you need to do. I ha, say to yourself, I have participated in every bad decision I have ever made. I have participated in every bad decision I've ever made. Here's another way to say it. You are the common denominator of all of your problems. Like all the people, all the different situations, all the different mistakes that you made along the way. If there's a through line through every bad decision, you were present every single time. And he says this. I think this is so helpful. I will not lie to myself, even if it makes me feel bad about myself. I will not lie to myself, even if it makes me feel bad about myself. And as I'm reading this text, and as I'm listening to these men give wisdom, and as I'm looking at my own life, what I realize quickly is there's a, there's a place I want to go with God. There are obstacles ahead of me. There are things I would love to be a part of, but in order to be a part of the great things that God has before us and before me, I've got to do some internal searching and some internal work before I'm ever able to walk into the opportunities God has before me. And that's what this text is about. This text is about preparation before we take new ground. This, this text is largely about preparation of our hearts and lives before we ever move to the point of taking new ground. And the first new thing that we all need to take new ground is this, a new heart. And that's why this first section describes this kind of interesting moment. 
this moment of circumcision. And you may have asked yourself, and maybe if you've never been to church before, you come here the first time, and you're like, see, once you started reading that, that's why I've never been to church, right? Like, that was, that, see, th- those, are, those are weird moments. And, and, the, and what I want to try to do is, is unpack what's going on here. What is culturally going on here? And what is the deeper issue that Joshua is trying to adjust to, to these people? To catch us up to speed, there's a simple of, of, of what's going on. So Joshua is leading this nation of Israel into the promised land. God has opened up the opportunity for them to walk into this new land and to take this new physical territory. Now, as Christians, we don't fight wars with, with flesh and blood for God like they did at this time. It was a specific moment in time that God was doing this through this nation. But the name Joshua is actually translated uh, in the... In Greek, Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus actually is our Joshua who leads us into new places, who leads us into a new land. And, and we follow him and his direction. But there are principles that are true throughout both time periods. There are principles of God's work and leading that are true. And so I wanted to highlight what is consistent with how God used the nation of Israel and how God is working in our lives. And the first thing that we see that Joshua is trying to do is to create in them a new heart. He wants to, to lead this people first by creating a new heart in them. And here's the truth. Walking with God will always be a little bit inconvenient. So here's what's happening in the moment. Um, they've just crossed the Jordan River. God did a miraculous moment where he opened up the sea and everyone walked through on dry land. And as they get through into this, the promised land, God gets, gives another word to Joshua. And imagine the people at this moment. They've watched Joshua lead them into the promised land, cross the the Jordan River in this miraculous moment. And as soon as they get across, Joshua says to all the people, hey, guys, guess what? I got a word from God. They're going, oh, man, Joshua's been, been like amazing recently. You know, he parted that sea. That was sweet. He's been strong, courageous. That was cool. And he led us into this place. And, and he says, okay, I got a word from the Lord. And he's like, yeah, that's great. What did God say? All right, I'll sit down, sit down, sit down. Here's the word of the Lord. Men, drop your pants. And God told him, uh, make flint knives. Now, there's a reason God told him, make flint knives. Um, this was the Bronze Age. They used metal tools by this point in history. He didn't have stone implements. They didn't use them. Why? The same reason you don't, right? Like, because I'm going to use metal things because it seems better, for, especially for doing surgery. I'm not going to go get a rock, you know? Like the, and he says, yeah, go get flint knives. And I want you to circumcise all of these men. Now, what was circumcision? Well, circumcision was a, an outward display of an inward reality. Circumcision was supposed to be an outward display of an inward reality. It was supposed to represent these people being separated for God, separated to be a part of God's mission, to be literally the people of God in this place. And, and he says, I'm going to separate these people out. And, and I'll tell you what, devotion to God will be inconvenient. There will be an inconvenient moment. And here's what's supposed to be happening. Devotion is inconvenient, but it reveals what's in your heart. But here's what's supposed to be happening. Deuteronomy 10, 16 says this, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. And be no longer stubborn. The point is not, will this physical act change your heart? No, no, no. But it's, it's an outward symbol of what's supposed to be an inward change. 
Deuteronomy 30, verse 6 says this, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul that you might live. And so what God is telling this Joshua and telling these people to do is like, look, I want you to prepare your hearts with this outward moment. And I'll tell you what, walking with God at times will be inconvenient. And when you are following the will of God, it will inconvenience your life. And you'll see it happen. You'll see it happen over and over and over again in life. And here's the real question. Will you believe in God's word and follow his direction that he's laying out before you, or will you resist it? You'll see, I've seen this all the time when I talk to couples that are, get, that are engaged. Um, sometimes a couple comes to me and they're just like, you know what, it's really hard honoring my parents through this process because I think this is a party for me and my mom thinks it's a party she's throwing. And the guest list is getting very frustrating to me. She wants these flowers, I want these flowers. She wants these people there, I want these people here. I would just rather elope. (laughs) And my advice to them in that moment is, okay, do, do you feel like you are honoring your father and mother by choosing to do that? The two are becoming one flesh and becoming a new life. So I'm not worried about this life. I'm worried about that life. And I'm like, I hear you, I hear you. And then I ask this question. Do you think all those problems will go away once you get married and you're with mom every Christmas and every Thanksgiving and for the rest of eternity? Like, do you feel like all those are going to go away? You're like, no, I'm like, no, here's what's happening. This is the first time you've really had to try to honor God with these big major decisions with your parents, and it's going to be hard. Do you honor God even in that place? Or with work. I see it all the time with people at work. Let me pull back the curtain for you. Some point in time, I'm sorry, this keeps on falling on me. At some point in time, you're going to have a job. And there's going to be a way, praise God, there's going to be a moment you have that job, and and it's going to be amazing. And as soon as you get there, and I've heard heard lots of people doing internships as well as in the work world come back and they're like, I don't think that those people all love Jesus in that workplace. I'm like, no kidding. And they go, and, and, here's, and here's what they're doing. They, they, they want money to support some of their um, you know, endeavors that they're doing. And so they, what they'll do is they'll write contracts where they'll over-promise and under-deliver. Like, I promise this will be happening. I promise this will happen, knowing that they could never deliver that far. And then once they get the client, once they're locked in, they say, and now they're stuck with us. Now I'll just kind of make sure and work them. And, and I remember talking to one guy. And he's like, this is what they do every single time. And I just, I don't think I can work here anymore. Under God. With this, when it may cost you financially, are you going to choose to follow God or follow them? And the, the challenge is this. Every one of those moments are very real moments that we walk to. And you have to ask yourself the question, will I do the honoring thing that God is asking me to do? Or will I resist? But I'll tell you, the resistance reveals your heart. And before we walk into new territories, conquering new opportunities, the first thing that God wants to do is say, I want you to evaluate your heart. What's actually going on inside of your heart? So I, I had this conversation with my daughter the other day. When she, she hit her sister, or hit her brother, and I looked down at my little two-year-old girl, and I'm like, I want you to go say you're sorry to your brother. And she says, I don't want to. And I said, well, do you want him to cry and be sad? Mm-hmm. 
And I saw in that little moment, sin, right? I, I saw in that little moment, I'm like, I'm like, she can't will herself to want to, right? Like, she can't will herself to make a different decision. She can't internally want a different thing. And you know what? The same is true with us. And so there's two moments right here at the beginning of Joshua chapter 5. He says, I want you to circumcise your heart, which, which you can't really do. So we're going to do a physical example of this. And then we're going to celebrate Passover. Passover was that great moment when Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt. And they celebrated that, that God freed them through the blood of a lamb. The sacrifice of an innocent freed them into this new place. And they said, look, I'm going to celebrate these two moments. And those two moments are pictures of what God fulfills in Christ. See, what we can't do is give ourselves a new heart. What we can't do is make ourselves want to want the right thing. We can't do it. But what we couldn't do, weak as we were, God did in his son. Romans chapter 8 says it this way. For what the law was powerless to do, any law you put in your life was powerless to do. It was weakened by the flesh. I don't want to do it. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You know what Jesus did for you and for me? He died in our place for our sins. And not only does he forgive us, he removes all of that sin debt. He gives you the spirit to live in you, to empower you, to want the right things, to want to want the right things, to do the right things. And the first piece we've got to have before we walk into new territories to realize I've got to change. Internally, my heart needs to want the right things. Things And the only way that happens is when we come face to face with Jesus Christ and said, you can do what I can't. Will you please forgive me and give me a heart that loves you? And God does. He sends his spirit to live in you to begin shifting the desires of your heart. But not only does he begin shifting the desires of our hearts, secondly, there's a continual alignment we have to do. See, after this moment when they celebrate the Passover, Joshua then stands up in verse, chapter 5, verse 13. And Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? And he said, No. <laughs> which, is, which is a great statement. Uh, are you for us, or are you for them? No. But I'm the commander of the army of the Lord, and I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place that you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. There's this great moment where Joshua is ready to then lead the people. They've prepared their hearts. They've... they've, they've participated in the Passover, and he says, okay, we're about to enter the promised land. And over a little ways away, he sees a man with a drawn sword, and it's intimidating. And when you're about on the war front, and you see a man who looks like an enemy, he walks up and says, okay, whose side are you on? Which side are you on? And I love the answer of the, the, the angel 
Some commentators believe actually this is a a theophany of the pre-incarnate Jesus. It's possible. But he looks at this man and says, hey, I want you to to pick. Whose side are you on? Are you for us? Are you for them? See, Joshua in this moment thinks, I'm on God's side and God's behind me. I'm on God's side and God's behind me. And most of the time in life, Christians, we can think God's behind me. He's behind my decision. He's behind my direction. He is merely empowering the things that I'm wanting to do. But here's the good question that Joshua has to wrestle with right here. Are those the only two categories? Is it only Republican or Democrat? Is it only UT or A&M? Yes, yes. (laughs) And he has to ask the question, face the question, whose side am I really on? Sports is where this is the most funny to me because uh, sports teams get together and they pray to Jesus to defeat their enemies, right? It's very complicated if you were like on a Christian sports team growing up, you know, you're like, okay, we're Christians and, and we're playing another Christian school. Jesus, they don't really love you. (laughs) Because you're on our side, let us defeat them in your name. Amen. Go kill them, you know, like so. <laughs> it's even a little bit murky, uh, let's hit a little closer to home. It's a little murky in dating, right? Oh, you know where I'm going on this one? Like you've been with this person for a little while. It's been so sweet, it's been so good, and you've been growing together. And then one person decides, ah, uh, not anymore. But you're a Christian. And so you can't say, hey, I'm not really into you anymore. That would be too real. Your response is, I've been praying a lot. (laughs) And the Lord has told me. Mm. Too close, right? Apparently that side of the room has like been, okay, five or six times, that one guy, you know, like, like, uh, you know, and you go like, really? Did thus saith the Lord, right? <laughs> like he told you, I would date you, but God has come down. And I, like, really? No. But we try to, and this is, we try to implement the Lord's will incentive, right? Like God clearly wants me to do this. God is clearly behind me in my decisions. But the reality is this. It's easy once you come to faith and you're like, okay, God has given me a new heart. God has given me new directions. Clearly, my will and desires must be God's will and desires. And what he is telling Joshua in this moment is no. Once you step out from me, even if you feel like you are walking in step with me, you continually debate whether or not you're aligned. Because God is not behind you. God's in front of you. God is not behind your decisions. God is in front of your decisions. And our responsibility is to continually align our decisions and our life behind him and where he is going. And so that our motivations and desires are aligned behind him and his direction. So he's telling Joshua, look, man, you got to make sure that you're in step with me. I am not in step with you. So you align yourself behind me before we walk forward. Romans 12, 2 says it this way. 
do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is and is good and acceptable and perfect. You test your mind with every decision you make. You say, Lord, is this really up to you? And if you're leading, I'm following. You're not behind me. You're in front of me. And I will align my life behind you. And then the third step we see in this, that we need continual alignment, but lastly, that God ultimately is the one who gets victory. He then gives them the instructions. I want you to march around this city once a day. And here's the strategy. You get a ram's horn, which seems weird. If you're about to take a city, if you're about to go into military conquest, they wouldn't hand you, if they handed you a horn, you wouldn't be like, and this seems like a winning strategy. He said, I want you to march around it. Then I want you to march around it again. And then again. And on the seventh day, you're going to march seven times, and then you're going to blow, and the walls are coming down. And there's a reason I'm doing it this way. Because this isn't about your victory. This is about God's victory. This is God's war. This is God's way. We are stepping in with him. And it's not because you're righteous, Israel, that you're stepping into this moment. You're being faithful to move forward behind my lead. So I'm going to give you victory. See, God's victory is always coming in God's timing and God's way. God's victory is always coming with God's timing and in God's way. Now, there's two resources I would give you to think about. If, if you struggle with, hey, was God um, righteous? Was he, was he right in, in sending this nation in to, to attack these people? I, I would give you two resources. One is a book. It's, it's called... Um, I'm sorry. Come after me afterward. I'm going to give you two resources. I've got them in another place. I'm really sorry. Um, and I'll actually even put them up um, on our podcast. We have a Grace College podcast, and I'll put them there. There's two resources um, that talks about the Canaanite genocide, and there's another resource. There's a guy who wrote an article about what was going on in that time, that time period, and the 400 years God allowed these people to live in sin before he finally moved in. There's two great resources that will help you on that. But I'll tell you this. It's God's victory, and it's God's timing. And here's the truth. If you want to walk in the victory God has in front of you, it means you've got to walk behind your Joshua, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not one who, who dominated people with his life. He was the one that walked in and gave his life. He was one that was obedient to God, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And if you have this real struggle of like, I don't, I don't think God was legitimate in, in, in wiping out these people in this city, God didn't spare his own son. He took an innocent all the way to the cross and said, a man who did not deserve death got death. And there's a reason he got death. It's so that everyone might be free. To the Greeks, it seemed weird that, they would, that a crucified man could actually be the one that would save. But God says, look, it is through the death of an innocent that I'm going to free the world And we come to him and we say, all right, Lord, you've died in our place for our sins. We believe you, we trust you, and we will walk in obedience to you. And the truth is this, your battles that you face ahead of you, you don't ultimately win them. We get behind God, we get behind his son, and we trust in his leading. And when we do that, he gives us the victory that only he can bring. 
So a couple applications to think about. One is this. Have you come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you begun renewing your heart by having faith in him? Secondly, are you renewing your mind? Are you getting in communities with people that love the Lord your God, that are helping you grow, that are challenging you mentally and emotionally, that, that have legitimate accountability around you? And thirdly, are you in step behind God and his victory? Are you fighting your own battles? And I would say, I would challenge you, get behind him. He is leading you. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you so much that you have led Joshua into, into battles, into fights. And Lord, you are leading us into challenging circumstances. And Lord, I know that we do not have the tools within ourselves to win the wars that we fight. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the authorities, against the rulers in these heavenly places. It's temptations that wage war in our own hearts. So Lord, I pray that you would help us be people that keep in step behind you that follow you with our whole heart, that are changed from the inside. And when we're changed from the inside, we then move into the opportunities you have in front of us. So Lord, I lift up these students to you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.